Amen. So we've been talking about going the extra mile. Go to was what Jesus said we should do. And, and we, we looked at going the extra mile in caring, going the extra mile in sharing our faith. Last Sunday, we looked at going the extra mile in giving. And I've warned you the last few weeks, today we're going to do the toughest one. Going the extra mile in forgiving. Okay, some of you seriously thought, just now, seriously, I don't need this. And the chances, if you're, if, if you said to yourself just then, I don't need this, the chances are you're one of the people who really does. And my prayer is that you'll find freedom in Jesus today, because that's what it's all about. So I was getting ready for church this morning. I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm looking at my head, and I'm thinking, do I need a haircut or not? Okay, it's a kind of random question. You can give me your answers as you leave today. But, um, it's a, but, but it, it, it just struck me. Uh, when I was a kid, every second Friday when I left school in the afternoon, I went to the barber's shop, and my mother met me there. I, I don't mean when I was a senior in high school. I mean when I was little. And uh, when I was young, you didn't need to take a bus. You could walk around the city anywhere you wanted to, and it was fine. And she'd meet us down there, and she'd tell the barber the same thing. He'd call me up, and she'd say, she, she would say, short back and sides. And, and that was cool in those days. It's back being cool, I see. It's like, you know, the back and sides were shaved, and then there was hair on top, you know. Um, of course, if you shaved the back and sides nowadays for me, there wouldn't be anything left because there's <laughs> nothing much on top. I, I don't like getting my hair cut because I was introduced to a cool, you know, somebody told me sports clips is the cool place to go, right? You don't want to go to a hairdresser, go to sports clips, it's cool. So I go to sports clips. But to get an appointment, you've got to go on the app. And you go into the app and it tells you, it'll tell you wait time. So often I go in, it says wait time is zero. But I can't make an appointment because it takes me 15 minutes to get there, right? So I get in my car, I shoot down there as fast as I can, and in that 15 minutes, 97 people have arrived and are sitting there waiting to get in ahead of me. I hate that. I really do. And then when you sit in the chair, I've always had this with hairdressers, they want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I want you to cut my hair, right? You see me here today and think, well, he's a real outgoing extrovert, isn't he? No, no, no. I'm a real messed up person because I look like an extrovert up here, but in normal life, I'm an absolute introvert. I don't want to sit in a chair and talk to a stranger. I don't want to discuss what I'm doing this weekend. That's just the way I'm wired. It's like, just, just leave me alone and cut the hair and get me out of here. And just when I've recovered from one visit, I look in the mirror and think, darn, I've got to go again. <laughs> what on earth has that got to do with forgiveness? Well, let me try to show you a link. I was out a couple of weeks ago in the morning walking the dog early in the morning, and uh, my phone pinged. And I got a message from one of the ladies in our church. This has been a tough year for some families in our church. 
We lost three very good men this year who went to be with the Lord. And this came from Ruth, whose husband Lenny passed away very suddenly a couple of months ago. And Ruth sent me a link to a post that Lenny had put on Facebook on that particular date a few years ago. And it must have been a Sunday because he was checking in at Genesis. By the way, if some of you have got kind of a little lax on that, why don't you take a second to do that and check in on social media that you're here because there are folks who've joined our church because they saw friends checking in here on a regular basis. So while you're listening to me, why don't you check in that you're at Genesis, let them know. So Lenny had checked in here and here's what he had posted. Very timely message on forgiveness. And yes, I need to hear that every six months. Thank you. Very timely message on forgiveness. And yes, I need to hear that every six months. Thank you. And the thing is this, forgiveness is something we need to hear about over and over and over again. Because the fact is, as life continues, as weeks and months go by, there are things that are going to come up and there are issues that will arise and there are people that are going to do things that, guess what? We need to be reminded to forgive. And I'm not going to say anything probably today that you've never heard before. But what I am going to be doing is reminding you again how essential this is. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, it says this. I want to read the first five verses there. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. All right, let me pause there for a second. Things that cause people to stumble. All right, so issues are going to come. Problems with people are going to arise. And, and that's realistic. I don't know if any of you, if, if you're in a situation where, where you, you can say, well, you know, I have no idea what that's all about. I don't have any issues in my life. I don't have any problems in my life. I've never had any difficulty with people at all. Now, if that's where you're at today, that's wonderful. I can recommend a therapist to help you tell the truth, but uh, that, that's wonderful because you, Jesus said, these things are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come, he said. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So, watch yourselves. It's impossible but, you know, to be in a position where, 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 where there aren't going to be issues with people. And here's what Jesus said we need to do. Watch yourselves. When people offend you, when people upset you, when people do the wrong thing, here's what the Bible says. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, Forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. 
here's the next bit, and I love it because a lot of people just, just kind of pause where Jesus said, if they do it seven times a day, then you've got to forgive them. But they forget the next sentence. And when the disciples heard Jesus saying, if somebody does you wrong seven times in a day, you've got to forgive them, the apostles said, God help us. No, that's what he did. Well, it doesn't exactly say it that way. They said, Lord, increase our faith. It's like, uh, I can't do that. If you want me to do that, Lord, then you've got to help me to build my faith. I need you to increase my faith. And, and, and they recognized that what was being asked of them was something that was beyond them. They're saying, Lord, I need your help with this. And here's the thing I want to just remind you about this morning. When it comes to forgiving, we often do come to the end of ourselves. And it's a case of saying, Lord, will you help me? Lord, please help me. Lord, increase my faith. Help me to do what you want me to do. And as you think through, and the chances are, you know, when, when, when a preacher stands up and starts to talk about forgiveness, there's a good chance that for some people, particular situations start coming to their minds and particular people start flooding into their heads. It, whether it be a spouse that betrayed you, a father who never seemed to think that you were good enough, uh, whether it be a, a boss or a colleague that did you wrong, in a work situation, whatever it might be. But the Bible says whatever it is, we need to forgive. And the question is, how on earth do you do that? It's hard. We've got a pretty good situation, I think, going in, in, in our house. And uh, hey, it's kept us going for 50-some years now. Uh, so, Jill takes great care of the house itself. She does all the cleaning stuff and all that that uh, I never bother. She's, uh, you know, laundry, wonderful. I take something off at night, and by the next night, it's back hanging in my closet clean. It's like, it's a wonderful thing. It's magic. Um, and, and, uh, but I do most of the cooking. Now, I don't know if she enjoys the housework, but I enjoy cooking. And... Uh, you know, the main reason I enjoy cooking is because I enjoy eating. So, uh, so I, do, I do most of the cooking. But, but now and again, she will say to me, do you think you could take the big vacuum around? Now, don't ask me why. I think we've got four vacuums. You can never have two. Oh, five I hear from. That's good. Yes. Hey, you got your things. Some of you got classic cars. We collect vacuums, all right? So, so generally she uses a lighter one, but now and again she'll say, could you take the big vacuum around? So I do that, and, I do, and, and you know what? There's always some place, that piece of lint or something, that you go over it and pull it back, and it's still there, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And, and you move the angle, and you get it from this angle, 
and you can't, and you're going around in a circle, and you're trying to get this thing up, but the darn thing is still there. And you know what? I've got, I, I've got a huge Dyson here that's got a jet engine in it, but it can't get this darn piece of lint up on the carp, off the carpet. And then reluctantly, as a last resort, after 30 minutes of back and forth from every angle, with great reluctance, you bend down and you pick it up. Right? Right? Finally, I, actually I'm saying that, and there's a, little, there's a little piece of fluff stuff right there. All right? And I stuff it in your pocket, and it, who knows? You're back and forth, back and forth, but then eventually it's like, okay, time's up. And you address it specifically. Forgiveness is kind of like that. You can go back and forth, back and forth, and how do I deal with it? And it still doesn't seem there. And there comes a moment where God brings us to a time where we need to actually address it. And my prayer is that for many of you this morning, that will be here and it will be now. It's time to deal with it. Annoying the heck out of you. It's time to take some action. Bible makes it very clear that forgiveness needs to be a way of life. In Matthew 5, 43, Jesus said this. He said, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Tough stuff this is. Ephesians 4, 32. Be gentle with one another, sensitive Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Matthew 6, verse 14. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. But how do we do it? Lord, increase our faith. Let me just take a, a, a few minutes here to remind you what forgiveness is not. And firstly this, forgiving is not forgetting. In fact, the reason we need to forgive is precisely because we have not forgotten. Forgiving is a separate thing. One, one, of, the, one, of, one of the most... Uh, Detailed stories or lives we have in the Bible is, is the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And, and, and many of you will be very familiar with Joseph's story. So here he was, Joseph, one of, of, of 12 sons, and um, hated by his brothers because he was his father's favorite. And so ultimately, one day when they're out, um, his, the, his brothers, uh, they, they, they beat him up and they sell him to some slave traders. Joseph's taken to another country, to Egypt. Down in Egypt, he's sold as a slave, but he's such a good slave, he, arrives, he, he rises to a position of prominence in his master's household. But then he's falsely accused, accused of rape, and he's thrown in jail, and it's 13 years before he's acquitted. But when he comes out of jail, miraculously, and a lot of you know the story, he basically becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And he helped the country prepare for a time of famine. 
And when all the nations around are starving, Egypt has got plenty. So, Egypt, so Joseph's brothers come down to Egypt to try to get grain. They're brought in in front of him, but they don't recognize him. 25 years have passed. He was a teenager when they last saw him. He looks like an Egyptian now. He even talks Egyptian. He uses a translator with them, though he can understand every word they're saying. And so they have this conversation, Joseph with his brothers as they've come back. And, and here's what it says in Genesis 42. So Joseph actually is giving them a bit of a hard time. That's how he starts the conversation. Here's what it says. So the brothers said to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. Suddenly they thought this is all to do with Joseph. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They didn't realize Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. So suddenly the brothers start talking about what they had done to Joseph. Then I want you to notice what it says here in verse 24. Joseph turned away from them and cried. There came a point where Joseph just couldn't take it anymore. And the memory of that was just breaking him. And he turned away cried. I want to tell you this, when it comes to forgiving people, when that person comes to mind or their actions come to mind, the things they've said really start coming back to you again. At that point when it starts to get painful, you know what you got to do? Turn away like Joseph did. Don't feed it. Don't let it keep going through your head. Don't add fuel to the fire. Turn away. You get what I'm saying there? Turn away. Because if a particular action by someone that was painful to you comes to your mind and you start going there, then you start working out, if only I'd done this. Next time I see them, I'm going to do this. And more and more and more, the fire starts burning inside of you. And the bitterness is there. And the anger is there. And the unrest is there. And the fact is, it's eating you up. Joseph turned away. He didn't dwell on it. And one of the prerequisites to forgiveness is to learn to turn away. Don't dwell on things. Forgiving isn't the same as forgetting. Forgiving is when it comes to mind, having a plan to deal with it. We were, um, our son preached for us a few weeks ago, right? Jonathan was, was here and he was with us over that weekend. And, and you know, it's kind of with, with him coming to visit, it was like, well, you know what? We need to get some uh, 
do a bit of food shopping and maybe get in some things that he would eat that we don't normally eat. So um, it's always great when that happens because you can buy stuff you shouldn't really buy. It's great. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so I said to Joe, I'll stop by the supermarket, pick up some stuff. So I'm looking at the potato chips. And, yeah, he'll need potato chips. And, 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 and you know, they, they had a special on and there were these big bags of chips and two of them was like $5, I think. And it's like, big bags. And I thought, yeah, those would be good for him. And, and we totally forgot while he was here, it never arose, actually, that we got the chips. And then he left and we had the chips. <laughs> and then one night, I'm just sitting down quietly reading. And, um, you know, several days later, and suddenly I remember, they're, they're chips. <laughs> uh, some of you got no idea what I'm talking about, I know. But was like this chip. So, so I go to the kitchen and it's funny, sometimes when you buy stuff for other people, you buy what you like because they think they'll like. So I bought flavors I like. So these buffalo chips, they were fantastic. So I look at the, 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 the nutritional information and I work out what a serving is, or it says, you know, serving is whatever it was, 15 chips. And then I do my little calculation for, wait, what's your points? Say 15 chips is 5,000 points. Uh, <laughs> And then, it, and then I think, then I think I can do that. I, I think I can do that. So I'm standing there in the kitchen with this big bag of chips, counting slowly up to 15. And then I think, another 15 wouldn't be too bad. Okay, let me, let me ask you this. You're in church. Did you ever eat a whole bag of chips? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know what the problem was? The problem was I pulled them out and I stood with them in front of me and I lingered over them. And the longer I lingered over them, the more trouble I got myself into. When the painful memories come back to you, turn away, turn away. Don't start regurgitating every detail of all the stuff that went on. Don't start going through terrible conversations, arguments you might have had. Don't add fuel to the fire. Forgiving and forgetting. You, you see, forgetting is a somewhat passive thing. You, you know, our memories, are, our memories are what our memories are. I mean, you know, sometimes I have random memories and thoughts come back to me from decades ago, years and years and years ago. But then I can't remember what I had for breakfast today, you know? And, and, and the memory's a strange thing. So, so forgetting, there's a certain amount of passiveness to forgetting. But forgiving is a positive thing. Forgiving involves doing. It's a conscious choice and a deliberate action. Forgiving is, is not forgetting. But the truth is, as we choose not to dwell on the pain or the injustice, in time, their grip is gone. Something else, forgiving is not condoning. If I forgive someone, it doesn't mean it was all right. It wasn't all right. In fact, the fact that I need to forgive means that it wasn't all right, because if it was all right, there'd be nothing to forgive. Are you with me there? Yeah. 
right? So, so actually, actually, it isn't saying it's okay. Forgiveness isn't excusing something. Forgiveness isn't allowing injustice. It doesn't mean I overlook it. It doesn't mean I tolerate it. What forgiveness says is I'm choosing love over hate. And I'm letting go of my right to hurt you back. knowing the other person was wrong, but deciding to relinquish your feelings of being, being entitled to make them pay. When someone hurts us, there, there are consequences, lasting consequences. And our only choice is whether we will live in the bitterness of unforgiveness or the freedom of forgiveness. That's our choice. It's our choice. It's all about us, actually, at that stage. It's nothing to do with the other person. It's nothing to do with the other person. It's all about us. Am I going to live in the bitterness of unforgiving or the freedom of forgiveness? It's, it's, it's all about me, my life, my future, and how I want to be. It's all about my heart and my state of mind. I, I, read, I read this quote from a writer called Catherine Ponder. She said, when you hold resentment towards another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and to get free. Forgiving is not condoning. Doesn't mean it's all right. And, and then let me say this forgiving is not reconciling. Some of you heard me say this before. The fact you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to have them over for Thanksgiving. Okay? It's not. It's got nothing to do with the relationship, it's got everything to do with the state of your mind and of your heart. Romans 12 verse 18 says this. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, that's the goal, right? Live at peace with everyone. But there are some people we cannot live at peace with. Is, is, is that a fair comment? I mean, that's what that scripture implies, isn't it? You know, as much as it's on you, if you can, live at peace with them. But there are some situations where you're not. There are some situations where you're going to stay, you keep your distance. There are some situations where a relationship will never be rebuilt. But the fact is, I'm just going to let you go, and I'm going to let my feelings go, and I'm going to get on with my life. That's what forgiving does for us. Once trust is broken, it takes a long time to rebuild it. And if you're not willing to try to rebuild the trust, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Can't happen. Forgiving doesn't make you buddies. In fact, you may need to cut somebody totally loose. Forgiving isn't reconciling. Forgiving is dealing with my emotions and my feelings about them and about what they did. So how do we forgive? You say, Roger, that's all good stuff, but you're, you're hedging the question. So how do we do it? How do we forgive? Well, let's go back to Luke 17, 5. We start here. We say, Lord, help me. 
Lord, please help me. Lord, increase our faith. Now, some folks get the idea that if you forgive someone, it's not fair because it's like, you know, they're the one who did you wrong. Um, forgiving isn't necessarily fair. We're not talking fair. We're talking about freedom for you. Hey, if God was always fair, we would get what we deserved. Oh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. So, but isn't that true? God is always just, but God isn't always fair. Psalm 103, verse 10, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Isn't that good? Thank God. God doesn't, if God treated us like our sins deserve, you know the deal, I know the deal. And forgiving is giving to others what God gave us in Christ. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sin, God's faithful to this. He purifies us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us for our sins when we confess our sins. And forgiveness is giving others what God has forgiven in us. It doesn't just flow to us from the Father. It needs to flow from us. Okay, so let's get back to the real tough scripture I quoted at the start in Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus telling his disciples how to pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Listen, God doesn't direct us to forgive others in order to heal them. He says you need to forgive others to help you to heal the wound in you. And that's what forgiving does. Forgiving them may not set them free. They may be a dirtbag the rest of their days. I mean, that's the reality, right? That's the reality. You can change that, but you're free. And that's what matters. You cut them loose, you let them go, and you won't let the things they've done pull you down and spoil your life. That's what it's about. We forgive others so that we can walk ourselves fully in freedom. So... Listen, I know that's not easy. So you're sitting there today, some of you say, well, it's okay for you. Listen, you don't know the life I've lived. And you don't need to. I don't stand up here and air all my griefs. I come here to try to bring encouragement to you. 
But listen, none of us lives as long as we've lived without some real severe hardship along the way, without going through some stuff that could have destroyed us, without people doing things to us that us, caused us a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. We're all in that boat. And that's why this message is relevant to us. That's why we need to keep coming back to it, though, from time to time, because those things are a part of life. It's not easy. I tell you what's easy. easy it's easy to hold on to a grudge. It's easy to live in bitterness. It's easy to wish the worst for somebody who did something bad. It's easy to continue to plot and to rehearse what you're going to say next time you see them. It's easy to live in hatred and unforgiveness. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's no way to live. That's not the way Jesus intends for any one of us to be living. And that's why we need to pray, Lord, increase our faith. Because faith enables me to seize the opportunity for freedom for myself. Faith gives me the power to actually work it through. Faith does that. Forgiveness is often a process. It doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over an extended period of time as we forgive again and again and again. Jesus mentioned that, didn't he? And I don't mean necessarily every time somebody does you wrong. I'm thinking about every time that wrong comes to your mind. But I forgive. But I forgive. But I forgive. Until the day dawns, and it will, where if their face comes into your mind, there's no pain there anymore. It's done. It's done. By the grace of God, it's over. Lord, increase our faith. God give you today the faith to realize there's something far better than holding on. It's not about how much forgiveness somebody deserves. It's about how much freedom you desire. It's not about what they should get. It's about what you ought to have. And you ought to live in freedom in Christ. What you did to me is not going to hold me prisoner any longer. What you said is not going to limit my future. Your betrayal will not hold me down. I won't let it pollute my heart and poison my soul. By faith, we choose to forgive. I'm not a victim. I'm not a prisoner. We forgive. And I know that's tough. I know that's difficult. But in the end of the day, forgiveness is giving to others the very same thing that God has given to us in Christ. God, increase our faith. Let's take a moment to pray together, could we? And as we